Welcome back to Coaches on the Beach, and today we have Alex Bernardos. Alex has been the assistant coach for Boise State for the past six seasons. He was inducted into the 30 Under 30 Club this past season, helping Boise to a 25-win season in 2023. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks for having me, Michael. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Stoked to be here. Wow. Alex, the, uh, the legend uh, in beach volleyball, one of the few director of volleyball operations slash assistant beach coaches. Um, I believe it was you, me, and did, uh, did was Jeff Pat? No, Jeff was an assistant coach. Did we have one at EKU for a little bit? Uh, San Jose had one. I know that. Yeah, so we, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. Um, that's obviously how you and I met. Uh, but then getting to know you a little bit more, learned a lot of interesting things about how you wound up at Boise. Talk to us about being a SoCal guy and then deciding, you know what, I'm going to go up to Idaho for college. And then they trapped you. You never left. Yeah, it has that effect on people. Um, so I, I didn't get myself here. My parents moved to Boise uh, after I finished high school. So I grew up in Manhattan Beach my whole life. And then, um, yeah, I went to Pepperdine my freshman year of college. My parents had been in Boise at that point. And I spent Thanksgiving, another break, and then summer with them in Idaho. And uh, it was actually like a month, maybe, before I was supposed to go back to Pepperdine. Um, some of my friends that I'd made here just talked me into applying to Boise State and sticking around. So, yeah, I did that, took a leap of faith, um, wound up paying one-tenth of the cost to go to school, and uh, began helping out the indoor program Pretty much that first week. Obviously happy with the the Boise State move. You've decided to hang out and and now are coaching with the program and working with the program. Um, how has your major in college really affected your ability to be a good coach? I mean, um, I guess philosophy might have something to do with it, but could you explain the minor in Chinese studies and how that impacts your day to day as a, a beach volleyball coach? Uh, well, I joke with the girls that. We're going to start calling our sets in Mandarin so that the other team doesn't know what we're going with. But um, the the Mandarin came from high school, actually. My school had to take Spanish or French, no, Spanish or Mandarin. And so uh, as I was signing up for classes in front of the principal, my mom peer pressured me into taking Mandarin. Uh, and so, yeah, I studied four years then and uh, kept going through college with it. I think that was one of the most interesting things when I was doing some research and backstory on you. I saw that in your bio and I was like, I, we, we got to figure out the story behind this. And what, what, uh, is there anything from your philosophy degree or your Chinese study degree that you see integrated into your coaching or something that you imply to your, a team right now? Uh, so I kind of, bounced around a few majors. I finally landed on philosophy after taking some um, Chinese philosophy classes on Confucianism and, and Taoism. And, um, and then I was also a political science major at the time. So I was taking some political philosophy classes. And uh, yeah, to be honest, I, I ended up doing philosophy because I found out you needed a bachelor's to be a D1 coach. And so I said, well, it doesn't really matter what it says on the piece of paper as long as I have a piece of paper. So I took the classes that were interesting to me, and uh, I wrote my, my final uh, paper for the uh, bachelor's degree on uh, applications and coaching. And it's a little foggy back then, but I think how I approach it now is, um, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of gray area with a lot of the decisions we make with, I don't know, how we're going to run an offense, how we're going to uh, approach an issue off the court, how we're going to you know, handle a recruit situation in their families, anything like that. There's just, there's no right or wrong answer. And um, learning to look at things from uh, one angle and the other angle and everything in between and kind of picking out the details that make sense, talking through it and um, you know, comprehending why somebody would think a certain way and not putting them down for that. Yeah, seeing things from all sorts of angles. Uh, you mentioned, you know, you kind of wanted to, uh, you needed a piece of paper, you needed that, that degree, I think they call it, to, uh, mm -hmm. to become a Division One coach. Did you know that that's what you wanted to do when you started college, or how did this come about? How did you decide, uh, you know, making money is overrated, let me get into college. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, I went to Pepperdine trying to play on the indoor team. And so um, I was trying out. The great Marv Dunphy let me practice with the team for a couple of months. And then he said, hey, we don't have a spot for you. Why don't you come back next fall and we'll make it happen. And uh, so I kind of saw the writing on the wall there. I, I thought volleyball was done for me. So I didn't really play that spring and um, was not coaching at all at that point. So it wasn't until I moved to Boise. Um, I got involved with the indoor team as a practice player. Um, and maybe a month in, they were going on one of their first road trips. And uh, a couple of the girls were not allowed to travel. They had made a mistake. And so um, indoor staff invited me to come along. They said, oh, you're pretty useful on the road. So uh, I didn't know what I brought at the time. Still don't know what I brought at the time. But, um, yeah, they turned me from a practice player to a volunteer coach. So... While I was an undergrad student there, I was able to be a volunteer coach for the indoor team uh, and then the beach team every spring. So I fell in love with coaching that way and, and realized that um, I had a lot of fuel in the tank still for volleyball, and it kind of reinvigorated that. So I'd say I knew about halfway through my time at Boise State that it's what I really, really plan to do. That's great. And volleyball for you, like, it's – Obviously, living in Southern California, there there's quite a bit of volleyball down there. Um, going to Pepperdine, that's a great volleyball school. Um, was it a family thing for you guys? Um, Not at all. <laughs> I, I tell people my, my parents are a bit older, um, but my dad was the president of the chess club and the young Republicans. So there was not really an athletic bone in his body. Um, my mom played some sports maybe in high school, but stopped, so... Uh, they, they were great advocates for every sport and let me try a lot of things. So I, I finally found volleyball in high school and uh, dropped soccer as soon as I found volleyball after 10 plus years of soccer. And I think when my parents saw the passion for it, they were really supportive and might not have known how to support because they didn't understand the sport, but they knew that I loved it and they knew to you know keep it going. Yeah. And that's probably got to play a little bit of a role into like, how you encourage your student athletes at Boise? I imagine some of them are are going through struggles of picking majors or uh, life after college, right? What's, what's kind of your philosophy on how to mix and mingle sport and different backgrounds and and how we're going about coaching these young athletes? Yeah, uh, well, I'll start with just you know if I am in a recruiting conversation and talking to somebody about their their plan for college, I usually tell them like. You don't need to have an answer. And in fact, I'm usually more scared when a 15 year old has a 10 year plan um, and try to be transparent. You know, I, I changed my major a couple times and I think um, you think you know what you want because maybe your parents did that job or maybe you took a psychology class that was really interesting, but um, try to encourage all of our players to get as much hands-on experience in those fields as they want. Um, and I think it's, you know, when you really see the, all the warts of, you know, that field that you learn whether or not it's your thing. What, what are the warts of coaching uh, college beach volleyball then, Alex? Uh, well, I have to say there's none. Um, <laughs> oh, he's a good liar, folks. Should have taken an acting class. <laughs> I Fortunately, I love traveling. I did a lot of traveling growing up. And so the uh, I think that's something a lot of people struggle with is just being away from home for so long, whether it's in season, recruiting or, um, you know, trips in between. But um, I enjoy it. I try to find opportunities to make those, uh, you know, a little bit of work, a little bit of pleasure as well, wherever I go. And you mentioned traveling. Uh, you guys just joined the Southland Conference this year. You know, you got, a, you got a friendly face or a foe across the net here on this podcast. But what was that experience like this past year in the Southland, getting to see some new teams traveling down south for the, the championship, all of that? Yeah, um, I feel like Beach is pretty regionalized, how people schedule. And so I think we're pretty fortunate because um, we get to go twice a year, um, at least, you know, out east. Um, we, us in San Jose, likely won't be hosting an event for the conference. And so um, 
it's just a great opportunity for our girls to see a whole lot of new faces, see a whole different part of the country that some of them don't go to. Uh, we have one Texan on the team. And so when we were at Houston and Corpus Christi this past year, uh, that was an amazing gift for her family because they showed up um, by the dozens to support. But uh, I think it just broadens their scope. You know, there's a lot of people that we have on our team that didn't think they could even see themselves at Boise. And uh, this year we're getting to go to Louisiana three different times in the spring. So, um, yeah, myself, I've never been. And I think there's a lot of kids on the team that haven't been. So you always try to put your players in um, you know, pressure situations and uncomfortable situations. And I think that's just something that's going to make it more seasoned at the end of the day. You make sure Colin makes you some red beans and rice. Yeah, I was going to say, if you decide you like the food and the locale so much, Alex will be happy to have you down at Southeastern. Uh, you know, to, to be a second home for you guys. You're going to spend half your spring down here. Uh, Pretty much. East in New Orleans, man. Yeah, I, I lied. I actually I drove through New Orleans on a road trip, but I got in at 10 p.m. and stayed at a motel and hit the road at 7 a.m. the next day. So, 10 p.m. Um, is usually the prime time to hit Bourbon Street, I think. So, <laughs> so I've heard, so I've heard. Um, yeah, and, you know, you've taken your team. Uh, obviously, we hung out in Huntsville last year at the ABCA Pairs Tournament, um, seeing you at Houston and, and kind of all sorts of all over the place. It's kind of your philosophy on showing the team around when you do check out new sites. And, I mean, everything's a new site for you guys. What's the closest team to you? Washington? Uh, Utah, and then, yeah, Washington. So yeah. Utah is about a four-and-a-half-hour bus ride, and that's pretty much the only place full bus. Oh, man. Yeah, so, you know, you taking them all over the place. What's kind of your philosophy? How do you try to get the most bang for your buck time-wise when you when you make all this travel? Ooh, I think beach is harder than indoor. I'll say that. You know, a lot of our events are all day, but um, I really, really loved how the indoor staff handled things. Um, you know, San Diego State was in the conference, and so every year we'd go down there, we'd go to the beach. And that was something that a lot of players maybe never experienced before. Um, for us, some days are strictly business and I wish it wasn't, um, flying in and out, you know, usually puts some time constraints on things, but, um, food is for sure one great way to see a place. So when we were in Texas, you betcha, we got Whataburger both times. Um, <laughs> uh, Corpus Christi, we had some downtime with weather delays. And so we got to explore quite a bit, did some walks around the area and saw the, uh, Selena statue, who I never heard of until I got there, but apparently she's famous. Um, you never saw the movie? Never saw the movie, and believe me, I got reamed by my girls for that, so uh, I still haven't seen the movie. I probably should, but uh, checked out an aquarium, you know, try to get get them out of the sun, I think is important. We probably don't want to go down to the beach after playing a beach tournament all day, but um, getting them some opportunity to interact with one another and uh, yeah, see the sights. Yeah. For what it's worth, Selena, the movie, right? Uh, young J-Lo plays, plays the famous singer. So, I mean, if, if you're looking for a, a quality film, I remember watching it in a Spanish class one time back in, back in high school. So I don't know, worth a, worth a watch if you're, if you're bored, but what's the best thing you guys have eaten on the road? You know, you said food's kind of a, a big piece. Yeah. Whataburger, I'm sure hit the spot for your Texan. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. it was intriguing for a couple of your Californians. What's the, What's the best, like, most culturally fitting meal you've taken the team to, whether you regret it or not? We got some pretty good barbecue when we were at TCU. That was the first time we traveled to Texas. That was uh, a couple seasons ago. One of our, we had one Texan at the team on the team at that time, not Amelia, different Texan, but uh, she'll remain nameless. But we had one Texan, and we asked her for recommendations on barbecue spots. And I'll never forget, she suggested we go to Dickie's Barbecue. And I said, <laughs> we are not flying halfway across the country to go to a chain. Um, so we didn't get Dickie's. I forget where we ended up going, but that was that was pretty spectacular. When we were at Third Coast, uh, we were staying at a hotel that ended up being in Chinatown. And we didn't realize it at the time. But um, yeah, so I don't think Chinese food's relevant to Houston. But me and my background in Chinese, I definitely forced the team to try some stuff. Oh, did they even try like duck feet or things like that? Oh God, no! It was you know, sesame chicken. Or... 
Maybe fried rice with shrimp in it. Dang, shrimp. Gutsy play before taking the squad out to a, a tournament. Um, speaking of, like, weird tournament stuff, right, you guys had probably the gnarliest conference tournament experience uh, of anybody ever, right? So talk us through, you had some downtime in Corpus, which might be the understatement of the century, right? We're getting ready to play on Sunday, Sunday morning, the semifinals. And, yeah, uh, losers finals, yeah. Losers finals, you guys versus New Orleans, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and this the weather has taken out the courts on the beach. So so tell us about your experience of trying to figure out where you're playing the semi, when, how, and then goodness gracious, how we're getting on on ESPN Plus all all of a sudden. Wow. Well, it was my first conference tournament, so it was the worst experience and also the best experience that I've ever had at a conference tournament. But um, I will say that the Corpus Christi staff did put in a lot of work to make sure that their courts were playable. Um, They had a big booster that had, I believe, made the boardwalk courts um, even a thing for them. So that same gentleman had a construction company. And when the storm had hit, they began... um, at midnight, I think it was midnight Sunday into Monday. Sunday had already been axed, and they were pushing it to Monday. But starting at midnight, this guy's crew was out at the courts on campus that we hadn't seen yet, and uh, they were removing sand from the court, drying it out on the side. They were sieving through the grass and sand on the other perimeter of the court to get the good sand to bring back in. That would be a little drier. They had probably every facilities person on campus plus another 30 somehow working on that thing. Um, and at the end of the day, it wasn't, it wasn't ideal conditions, but we kind of had our backs up against the wall time wise. So, um, we got that game going on the, the scheduled, the finally scheduled time. And, um, yeah, it was, that was a wild ride. That was emotional for our girls. I think, um, I can only imagine what student athletes are experiencing in that position, but there was probably four different times we were packed walking down or on the bus. Uh, and then we got told to go back to the hotel and it wasn't happening yet. So with our first conference tournament, something that, you know, climactic for our girls to, uh, to try to get mentally ready and then to just flip that switch off again was, was exhausting. And I was really proud of how they, they ended up playing down the stretch. I think it was a 3-2. They squeaked out of it against New Orleans in the third set and then uh, ran it right back against Corpus, almost pulled off the reverse sweep. But at the end of the day, we were just so proud of our girls with how resilient they were through that whole situation. Yeah, do you recall what it was kind of like preparing that squad for when the match finally did happen and then how it was a, it was a 3-2 tight one, right? I think it came down to came down to somebody. Uh, maybe it came down to Amelia and her partner for for New Orleans. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was maybe an hour before game time when they finally made the call, you know, the, the courts were still pretty wet and, um, I don't think anybody really wanted to, to play there, but that ESPN thing put, put a time crunch on us and, um, we had already stayed an extra day. So I think staying another day of hotels and, canceling flights and all that that wasn't really an option for us in new orleans so yeah it was we told the girls you know we probably won't be playing today don't think it's safe enough and then hour before game time the head coaches met and the conference met and made the decision that we were going to go ahead with it so uh, we told our girls and at that point i think it was just a release for them i think they just blacked out and played volleyball for the next three hours and um you know woke up on the bus again when they were heading back to the airport in San Antonio, but um, they, they were ready for it. They were ready for it as, as ready as I've ever seen them. So there wasn't much pep talk needed. They wanted it. Were you, uh, were you on a specific court kind of helping guide this team through ultimately an emotional tomb duels? Uh, yeah, I, by the end, we kind of had coaches, you know, sitting on specific courts. So, um, I stuck with the twos. We had an injury substitution during the conference tournament. So I was with the twos, just keeping them calm and making sure that they weren't overthinking things there. Um, 
And then second flight for all those duels, I was with the fives pair and Joey, one of our fifth years, um, her and Eris, a freshman, were holding it down all spring there. And so um, we had a good rapport and uh, Joey's been a big helper with me and my stuff out of the Boise State gym with our court, with our club. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of trust, I think, between the two of us. And that was her last match, you know, it was do or die for her, her fifth year. So I think um, I did a good job of keeping her grounded through that, I'd like to think. <laughs> you mentioned that you guys travel quite a bit and like our, our season's eight to nine weeks, right? And you travel mm -hmm. every single week, basically. When, when are you guys going to dye your sand blue and then host everybody? I'm sure that's an original question. You've never been asked that. Oh, I, I tell people once a day when I'm out recruiting, some parent whispers in my ear that same question. But <laughs> I I think it's brilliant. I think, uh, you know, the football field gets us on the map, and there's been a heck of a lot of recruits that don't know much about Boise State Beach Volleyball, but they know we got a blue field. So um, it's something I think our administration has jokingly talked about. Maybe it'll happen. Um it's more of a weather constraint for us. You know, we've hosted first weekend of April, last weekend of March, that window before. Um, and it's been 65 and sunny and it's been more miserable. So we try to push it to the last couple available weekends. Um, but another big reason we, we have to travel so much, especially by plane, is we're just kind of geographically isolated. You know, Utah's short jaunt by bus, but everything else we got to hop on a plane. I'll tell you what, you diet blue, I'll... I'll bring ULM up there at the end of February. <laughs> the end oh, of we February? People away. <laughs> at the end of February? We'll, we'll play Alex, first weekend. Alex, you know I love you, right? You you know that you're one of my favorite people in the sport. I will not be bringing my team up there. I saw a picture of you taking snow off of your courts in in April. If you think I'm going up there a full month earlier than that. You're you're insane, man. What what's it like? You know, you show up to the courts every day with what, sunglasses, a raincoat, and your snow shovel ready to go just in case. Um, yeah, I am the the team's tiller, so we have a tiller, and uh, I'll say this: Boise gets a lot of sun. So even when it is cold, we get over three hundred plus days of sun a year. So, um, whatever comes down with precipitation, it really doesn't stick. So the issue we really have is um, just the quality of the sand. But no, nope, I, I put in my hours with the tiller, pop some headphones in, go to town, meditate for a bit. Um, but we recruit tough girls. Yeah, I'm sure it's really hard to beat that that fall up there with the mountains and all the trees changing. So I mean, you yeah. give and you take, but that beauty has got to be like unbelievable up there. Yeah. The fall season was a big ad for us too. You know, we always get to host now in the fall and it's spectacular this time of year. So, um, you know, it's a couple months of the year that are a little rougher than others, but the whole picture is, is pretty amazing. And you don't get this kind of green and this kind of scenery without, you know, a little bit of sacrifice. Yeah. I would hope that uh, on your, your tilling experiences going forward, you'll be tuning into episodes of coaches on the beach, but <laughs> Um, obviously we'll save, we'll save that question for off air. Um, you talk about Joey helping you with the club now, how has coaching club and starting it in a, um, let's call it a non beach volleyball demographic traditionally. How has that kind of helped you one go about recruiting, uh, to your university, but then to, uh, you know, change maybe the way that you go about things within your program. Um, yeah, so it, it is. It was non-existent when I started it. Uh, I started it summer of 2021 uh, with a gentleman named Jason Lee, played on the AVP, and he moved out here. Uh, he has since left, but uh, I think we were really ambitious at the start and didn't realize a lot of the roadblocks we had ahead. Um, so I've, I've learned a whole lot each year just in how to approach the community, how to set up the programming, um, this year we really hit our stride and my goal up until now has never been to make it a travel club. Um, we have some families I think that are ready to pull the trigger next year on something like that. But um, 
my real goal has just been to expose people in the community to this sport and show them, you know, you can still play indoor. I don't care, but this is going to make you a better player. Um, you can have a lot of fun. You don't ride the bench. You get to play with your best friend at your side. And uh, I think there's been a lot of parents that have come up and said it's just reinvigorated their love for the sport. And that's that's what I enjoy about it. Um, what I've been able to do with our team and hopefully with recruits down the road is provide some opportunity for summer income. Um, it's not a full-time job, but you know it's an excuse for them to stay in Boise during the summer um, and keep themselves busy. So that's one aspect for the kids in my program. Another one is um, our players that get a chance to coach juniors come back in the fall with a totally different mindset and appreciation for all that goes into behind the scenes of running a beach program and uh, handling player dynamics and all that. So I've tried to tackle this all pretty holistically. Yeah, recruits can stay around in the summer. They can make some money. They can get involved. And, and I think next year um, we've got enough families interested in, in making it uh, a real thing. They want to push for collegiate uh, for their children. And I think there's a couple that are capable. And um, so they're going to be trying to travel to some club versus club stuff. We're going to try to get maybe a BBCA event hosted in our area. I've been talking to some of the club directors in the Northwest region. So um, yeah, it's promising. Yeah. And, and it didn't hurt probably bringing flight school out there, right? You get to expose not just the yeah. junior beach, but now the adult beach and, and that kind of aspect. How'd you get those guys out there? What what sparked it? What kind of things rolling? Uh, just kind of fell into my lap the first time. So uh, Aaron Martin was one of our former uh, players on the beach team, and she's from Denver. Has helped with the lab there. Um, and Chase Frischman came out to their place uh, a couple years ago, and I think Chase last year was trying to cast a bigger net, and so he was just networking through people he knew, and pretty sure it was Aaron that suggested reaching out to me. Um, we threw something together really last minute last year. He reached out at beginning of May, and I think the first weekend of June, he was here running stuff. So uh, it was small scale. We had something like 12, 15 adults that were doing clinics through the weekend, and then a KOB, QOB, the last day. Um, and I kept in touch with Chase. And then this year, uh, yeah, he reached out again over New Year's around that time and asked if we could do something again. And um, the, the exhibition match that we ended up doing was kind of my brainchild. So the first time he came out, it was him and uh, Tony, no, him and Kaylee York, uh, just finished at LSU. Um, I said, man, it was, it was awesome having you guys there. What if we had four guys come out and you guys play a pro match in front of a bunch of fans? Because I think there's a lot of beach volleyball fans here that have never been to an AVP event and just watch everything on YouTube. Um, and then there's a whole lot of volleyball fans that have never seen beach volleyball at all. So, uh, yeah, we got Taylor Crabb, Troy Field, uh, Chase, and then Travis Mewerder came out, and they just brought so much positivity and excitement to people here. So uh, we had 30-plus people at all of the clinics. Um, we had over 300 tickets sold for the exhibition match uh, and then had another King of the Beach event on the last afternoon. So I think that's one of the beauties of our sport is just how accessible some of these players are at the top. You know, Taylor Crabb didn't technically go to the Olympics, but he's definitely an Olympian. And here he is at our you know, facility on campus at Boise State in the middle of Idaho. And uh, people can talk to him and we can go out for dinner and drinks that night and they can socialize. So it's really cool. Yeah, I think you you missed one of the the biggest pro that was at that exhibition event. Tony Rodriguez. Um, I, I think there was one more. If I I could have sworn uh, Travis oh, said that his favorite oh, partner at this whole thing was some guy named Alex Venardos. Dude, you're gonna downplay the fact that you're hanging. You're not just like you're running and coaching it right, but you're hanging with these guys on the court, no problem, right? Was that what did that feel like? You know, do you feel like hey, I showed the kids, hey, I, I still got it. That was nerve wracking. <laughs> uh, no, that middle of the day, one of my buddies came over that was talking to Chase. And uh, my friend said, just so you know, tonight Chase is probably going to make you sub in. 
And I told him, you're not going to do it, but I don't know if you have an option. So I was pretty confident I wasn't going in. And then Chase told me that I could either discreetly walk up to the bench and fill in at the last technical timeout, or he would get the entire crowd chanting my name. So <laughs> uh, I chose the former. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people were surprised to see me out there, but kind of like my girls did at the conference tournament, I blacked out and next thing you know, I won on a sky ball ace. So that was I mean, fun. That was... Legendary, legendary sky ball ace in the Boise in the Boise Mountains to beat, you know, Taylor Crab and Troy Field? Mm-hmm. Now, it... granted, one of them tried to pass it with their butt. So they were they were going on cruise control, but cruise control for them is still light years ahead of me. Does it make you want to chase that dragon? Get get involved with the AP? AVP? Go go play a couple? Um not really. So I um I kind of forgot to mention this earlier, but with the uh with the Chinese minor and some of that stuff, um, after I finished college, that was winter of 18 and uh, spring 19, I actually went and lived on the East Coast with a friend of mine that I knew from uh, the USA high-performance stuff in Beach. And uh, I gave myself this four-month window where I was going to play as much as possible with him and train and um, see how it goes. And then uh, I was actually doing a month-long bike trip down the coast of Taiwan uh, that summer. That was the end of my beach time. So four months, give it my all, going to Taiwan. And then uh, I was actually about to start teaching English overseas um, that summer. That was going to be my my job after college. And uh, it was in Taiwan that I got the call for Boise State um, that they added the full-time position and I came back. So um, I, I think there's a lot of people out there in the beach volleyball world. And it's a tough time right now with the lack of money. Um, but there's a lot of people that can't come to terms with their ceiling and, um, you know, spend a long time and pour a lot of emotion and, and finances into it and come up pretty unsatisfied at the end. And, um, you know, maybe I'm just selling myself short and being afraid, but the way I see it is I, I get to be around the sport just about every single day. You know, and here I am going recruiting and gold medalists want to be my friend because I'm recruiting one of their players. Um, and so the, the relationships I get to make are, I think, beyond what I would have had just as a player. Um, and I still get to play a lot for fun. You know, there's some tournaments in the area and neighboring states and get to seaside every year, that kind of stuff. So um I, I enjoy it a lot. And I think when I was playing out there on the East Coast for those four months, it became a lot less enjoyable. There was a lot of pressure on myself and weighing the dollars and cents I won versus how much the trip actually costed. And it gets taxing. So follow-up question. You still play now. And if I'm not mistaken, Audrey Brooks, you guys are related, yeah? Ah, Former ULM, yeah, yeah. North Florida grad now. Yep. If you guys go one-on-one -on -one or, like, you have a similar partner, who's winning? Oh, gosh. No offense, Audrey, but I think I think I got her beat. I'm uh, if, she's on my side, if she's on my side of the net, I think we could take a lot of people. She's a pretty darn good ball control big. Yeah, she did great things. She holds a couple records here at ULM, but just because you said that, I'm definitely sending her this clip now. <laughs> this sounds like a coaches on the beach pole if I've ever seen one. There we go. We'll put it down. We'll put it down below. <laughs> Any anytime somebody gives me a compliment for a recruit we get, I, I always bring up the fact that I couldn't even recruit my own cousin to my school. <laughs> so. Yeah, you bring up recruiting, right? Uh you guys seem to be I think the term in the Southland conference is dear God, don't let them take a visit to Boise. Uh, because <laughs> it feels like a feels like a black hole, right? You go up there take a visit to Boise State, and all of a sudden you're getting the phone call. Hey, coach, I just wanted to say thank you, but uh, I've decided to become a Bronco. What, you know, I guess people are going to assume there's a lot of hard parts. What's the best aspect of recruiting to Boise? Something you're clearly uh, taking advantage of. The the people, I'd say, are at the top of it. You got that southern hospitality somehow up here in the mountains. Um, 
people I've seen people stop at green lights to let people cross the road. Um, I go down recruiting in SoCal and finally remember what a car horn sounds like because I don't hear it for a lot of the year. Uh, you know, the, the people make it special. We get a lot of great support from our administration and um, that trickles down to the student athlete experience that I think is, is pretty darn good here. Um, and with regards to our team too, we, uh, the biggest thing we look for in recruits is character. And so, um, I'm sure you guys get that question every time you get a recruiting call, what's your culture like? And I hate that question. I usually don't answer it, but, um, or culture is what you see if you show up to a random day at practice and, you know, nobody's watching. Um, and I think we just do a really good job of making sure that good kids come in the door. Um, yeah, it's. I don't know if you guys have been here, but I'm sitting right now looking at the foothills and there's a ski resort right there. And then 30 minutes outside of Boise is National Forest and teams going to float the river that goes through town and campus on Friday. So it's a really outdoorsy community and there's a whole lot to do outside of school. Um, and I think for people that um, want something like that, it's, it's the perfect fit. Yeah, I think I, I can jump on that Southland sharing last year when I was recruiting every kid I was talking to. Who else are you talking to? Boise State. Who you recruit? Who you committed to? Boise State. <laughs> so you guys are doing some really, really great things. But looking at the future, what does that look like up there in Boise? Um, well, we're, we're a totally separate roster now. Uh, last year was I think, the first time we were truly a separate roster from indoor. And so... That's something we've been, uh, you know, pitching and building up towards. Um, we scheduled hard this year, this upcoming spring. You know, I, I don't want to go into details, but last year we had a young team and building that separate roster. And so we made sure that the young kids felt confident by the end of the season. And I think we scheduled a little lighter, but we got the squad now and years to come where that's, that's not an option. Um, I think they had some imposter syndrome and would, play a team and think more about the number in front of their name versus the actual players um, and want to get our kids comfortable to where they feel like they're a top 20 program. I think one of the biggest reasons we, we were kind of on the cusp but never made it the past two years is we just didn't schedule, schedule the right teams at the right time or enough difficult teams. As a guy that's playing you three times next year, I really appreciate that tougher schedule comment. That you're, as your uh, as your opponent, you know, I'm honored to be to be part of the tough scheduling. Um, you know, do you guys foresee? Obviously, conference realignment is going bananas yeah. now, right? Do you foresee yeah. hanging out in the Southland Conference, or or is the Big West Pac 18 something 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 getting started? And I'm gonna have to resign myself to just seeing you at K Beach events uh, over the summer. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, there's nothing bad about Chelan, Washington. We all know that, um, but let's not tell too many people. Um, <laughs> the Southland's a, a great home for us. I think the, the beauty of doing it for beach volleyball is it's not a home away, home away schedule, you know? So even though it is, um, quite a trek, it's only a couple times a year and it's places we would like to go anyways. So, um, you know, I, I think as long as they'll keep us around, we're going to stick there. Um, we had had a lot of talks before joining the Southland about some options out here. And, you know, Big West didn't want to do affiliate members, even though they did for SAC. They didn't want to do for us, some weird stuff there. And then WCC is a bunch of, um, you know, religiously affiliated schools. And so that there weren't homes for us at those established places. But there was talks of, uh, I think, the MPSF rallying some teams and, um I think if, if a couple more programs pop up in the central states or out west, then it'd be a different conversation. But right now, I think it's it's great for us. You've kind of been involved with the beach program from, from the get-go, right, from the jump. Um, mm -hmm. You've had some all-time memories. You've, you've seen it go from a program that had all indoor girls playing in the cold to, you know, a team that won 25 matches last year which I would say is, is kind of 20 wins, I would say is generally a benchmark in college beach volleyball, right? If you get 20 wins, I'd call that a pretty good season. If you get 25 wins, it's a good season. If you get 30 wins, uh, you know, top notch, Michael, that's uh, un, unstoppable. So 
right? You you took this team from kind of a, a starting point to now where they are. What's the moment that you look back on and you think, man, that was a great uh, example of what Boise State is, and that really showed what we were able to get to? Um, I got one that on paper probably makes the most sense, but I think uh, before I answer that part of it, there there's one player that really comes to mind as being a catalyst for our group. Um, Aaron that I mentioned before came in as a as a transfer, and uh, she had two seasons left. Ended up using her COVID, so we got her for three. But yeah, Aaron Martin came from LMU, Loyola Marymount, and um, she was on a ranked team that was winning the WCC and was in the starting lineup and she instilled into our girls that they belonged there and that they belonged in the top 20 and that they belonged on the court against these tougher teams when a lot of the players we did recruit definitely did not believe that um and you know there's there's maybe a lot more that we could have done as coaches to prepare them for that. But I think having somebody with that experience at their side, going into battle every day um, was a, was a big factor. Um, and she, she pushed back on a lot of things, but it was always for the betterment of the team and understanding that she believed in what they could accomplish. So her last year, um, her last weekend, we were able to take off Cal Poly, who was number 13 at the time. And, uh, yeah, that was the biggest win we've had, again, on paper. But um, I think for our girls, that was a big stepping stone, big monkey that they got off their back. And um, not only was it a team that had beaten us a couple times before, but uh, that was the first real ranked win we had. And I think we got Arizona State earlier that year. They were 20 the first week of season, but that first week is always wonky but Cal Poly felt like a legit win for our girls and I know that's a feather in their cap and something that they look back on if they're ever in doubt of themselves yeah and one more thing to talk about with the you know looking back on the program I guess a little bit you guys have had the opportunity to I think you got at least two division one head beach volleyball coaches as alumni of the program am I alum alumni alumnus yeah yeah, Aaron and uh, her partner, her last year, Yasmin Tam, another Southland fellow. Yeah. Talk, talk to us a little bit about what that means to you as a coach, kind of showing that, seeing them as, they were both transfers, right, because Yas was from New Mexico mm-hmm. State. Um, but seeing them kind of come into your program, learn the game of beach maybe to a different level or to a different extent, take on a leadership role, and now take it into their own programs. What does that, you know, what does that feel like? What does that look like? Uh, they both had really different journeys, um, and they were both, I'm sure you guys have had some players over the years where you just know that they're going to be a coach. Um, and Aaron was the first for us where we knew that, and she was one of the few that had some serious experience before, but, um, there really wasn't a doubt in my mind as I was coaching them what they were going to be up to once they finished, um. Yasmin is one that I think was a silent leader in a really good way. She was a lead by example kind of player. Um, she came in as a spring, fall, spring grad transfer. Um, I think people in those positions don't always know what their voice is like. Um, and she probably won't appreciate me sharing this part of the story, but when she came in, she was, she was in a rough spot just physically. And, um, it was just due to COVID and her situation at New Mexico. So they had cut their beach program. She was not playing beach anymore. She was just an indoor player for them. And because their season got pushed to the spring and because New Mexico had such strict laws at the time about occupancy and gyms and stuff like that, um, the indoor coach didn't have her lifting or practicing with, with their squad um, from March until March 2020 until January 21 when she set foot on our campus. And so um, the first practice, we just had a long talk with her after about patience. And you know, we know this isn't where you want to be, and um, but we know what you can be capable of. And uh, yeah, it was the most 
wild transformation. She went from not being in our lineup the first year to being our ones blocker the next year. Um, and everybody came up and asked where she came from. And you know, she's been here the whole time, just putting in work. She was in the trainer's room five days a week, a couple hours, you know, watching film, all the little details, meticulous, so meticulous and detail oriented with things. And uh, so, yeah, I got to spend a lot of time with her recruiting this summer. Um, and it's really clear how ready she is for it. She came into every tournament just locked in, ready to go, building a complete roster from the ground up, and she knew every uncommitted player, networking with every club director she came across. Um, and she's not the most social person, and she's putting herself out there every single day, every minute. And, um, yeah, she's going to do amazing things there. That's awesome. I'd say before, but, you know, she's in our conference, so I'm rooting yeah. for her all but, like, two weekends of the year. Uh, three. Yeah. She's come to the tournament, so I take it back. <laughs> three weekends a year. Uh, I'm not rooting for you, yes, but the rest of the time, uh, go, go, Cowboys, go, Pokes. What about you? Talked about your program and how are you planning on growing it. What about the overall NCAA beach game? Where Where do you think it needs to go next? What are you seeing deficiencies? Where are you thinking they're doing something really great? Um. Two main things come to mind. One of them is uh, I think we need to get a consistent, all-encompassing ranking system for pairs. Um, I've chatted a bit with tennis coaches at our school about how they operate. Um, you know, we as a sport have tried to model things off of tennis, and uh, I think the pairs stuff in the fall is is awesome, but it's all over the place and. Uh, I think there's a lot of room for improvement in how spring translates to fall, players transferring out or leaving, how does that affect the pairs ranking? You know, it's it's stuff that's all been done before in tennis, and I think some people need to look to that and, and come up with a model. I think they, uh, they'll do coaches voting for, uh, or they'll submit the coaches' opinions on who's ranked where for the first few weeks until those teams have all kind of played each other and then the rankings start to just settle themselves out formulaically. And I think that would be an awesome direction. Um, give the fall a lot more purpose as well and the spring for that matter. Um, and then the other big thing I, and this is selfishly, but um, you know, there's a lot of gray area with how events can be hosted indoors at an indoor sand facility. Um, when we beat Cal Poly, it was actually at an indoor sand facility in Utah. Um, and I got to know the legislation really well that time. Um, and it's basically two or three lines that say if it's, if the weather's deemed unsafe an hour before competition and an on-site administrator agrees, then you can play at an indoor facility, but there is no room to schedule or plan to host indoors. Um, I know, some schools have gotten their conferences individually to agree to a certain percentage of matches to be played indoors. Um, but, you know, we've got, what, 60, 70, something like that, D1 programs right now. And there's not going to be a whole lot of additions in the middle of the U.S. until some schools are incentivized. And I think the only way you could get a Wyoming or a Colorado State or Utah State or something like that is if they knew that they could build a facility and host whenever they wanted. Um, it's not ideal for players or uh, the sport. Beach is obviously meant to be played outdoors, but plenty of pro matches, pro events that are held indoor facilities. And I think that's um, one of the biggest roadblocks for the growth of the game. Yeah. I mean, we watched the AVP championships last year, right? In Phoenix. Um, yeah. Phoenix, not, uh, not known for cold, I think. When you ask, uh, if you ask any old school AVP pro, like, hey, what was your favorite match to watch or play in? Um, they'll tell you the time that AVP was at Madison Square Garden. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, those are the coolest events. So why, why not allow our college athletes to have a similar experience, even if it's not, whatever, playing at MSG, right? Can we get, we're watching Nebraska play outside. How come Beach can't play inside? Um, That's know, right. That's going on today. Yeah. It is, yeah, yeah. We're recording this uh, a little bit in the in the past, so Nebraska is currently, I think, taking on 
Creighton? Is that who they're playing? At? There's no way Creighton Omaha. Could play out. Omaha, Nebraska, Omaha. I was like, there's no way Creighton would have signed up for that match. That would have been crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it'd be great to see the encouragement of more teams. You know, and the encouragement of we talked about you guys joining the Southland, but if the Big West can start a conference, Southland's not going to be mad that you got you know six more schools to add the sport. That's going to mm-hmm. be great for for every program everywhere. Um, so I think that's something we can all get behind, and hopefully. You'll be pushing for it at uh, the Beaches Committee meeting at convention this year. Um, we'll see you in uh, sunny Tampa. Oh, I wish. I don't think it's in my cards this year. Alex. All right. We'll, we'll cut that part out. But um, Thank you so much for, for hopping on and, and joining uh, Coaches on the Beach. Obviously, have a, a ton of admiration for you and your program. And and uh, lucky to call you a friend, even if I'm not as cool as Travis Mortar and Chase Freshman and all those guys. Uh, I'm forever grateful for every time we get to talk volleyball or hang out in Chelan, the best kept secret in beach. Amen. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys' time. Yeah, thanks for coming on and can't wait to see uh, some event, maybe at the fall championship or maybe some recruiting event because I don't think we're on the schedule for this upcoming spring. But yeah, definitely thank you. Yeah, and thanks for all you guys are doing with this podcast and helping connect the, the community. I've been listening to a lot of it, and it's really awesome stuff. Awesome. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. See you guys.